0: I arrived to find the patient on the ground in the doorway of the bathroom. The nurse tech who was with her on the floor said that she just collapsed in his arms while he was walking to the restroom. He gently lowered her to the floor, but this came out of nowhere. She'd been fine.
1: Welcome to the Rapid Response RN Podcast, helping you keep your finger on the pulse of your patient's condition with real life stories from the front lines of nursing. This podcast can help you sharpen your assessment skills, improve your ability to recognize the signs and symptoms of your patient's decline. Be inspired to speak up and advocate and know how to jump into action to promote the best outcome for your patients. Hey
0: everybody, I'm your host, Sarah Lorenzini, a rapid response nurse and educator who loves telling stories to teach critical thinking. Hey everybody. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a pretty common problem in the hospital, orthostatic syncope. This is part three of a four-part series on syncope, so if you haven't listened to part one or two, definitely check those out first. Before I dive into the case, I just want to take a minute to let you know that my course, Rapid Response and Rescue, is on sale now through the end of the year. You can use the code PODCAST22 to get $22 off the cost of the course, making it only $27. But That coupon's only active until December 31st of 2022. So if you've been wanting to check out the course out, now is a great time. You'll have access to the course for six months, so no rush to finish the course before the end of the year. And if you're traveling for the holidays, the course is mobile friendly. You can take the whole thing right from your phone. So just go to www.rapidresponseandrescue.com, type in the coupon code in all caps, PODCAST 22, to get my course for the best price I've ever offered it. And if you have any questions about if this course is right for you, feel free to DM me on Instagram. You can find me at the rapid response RN. All right, let's get on with this case. So I arrive at the rapid response call to find the patient on the ground in the doorway of the bathroom. It's a semi-private room and she's from B-Bed, which is the furthest away from the bathroom. So there's a lot of people crammed into a very small space, and the poor patient A-bed is very shaken up by all the commotion happening on her side of the semi-private curtain. The patient on the ground is pale, a little diaphoretic. The nurse tech who was with the patient on the ground, he said he had stood her up to walk her to the bathroom, and as they got closer to the restroom, she just collapsed. And since he couldn't put her back in A-bed because her roommate was occupying it, he just gently lowered her to the floor without injury. She was starting to kind of open her eyes a little bit, but very lethargic and couldn't really even hold her head up all the way. I asked for someone to grab the glucometer and the vital science machine. Her blood glucose was 126, sweet. Heart rate, 90, blood pressure, 80 over 40, and oxygen saturation, 96% on room air. The RN arrived and provided a little more history. So our patient on the ground was admitted for shortness of breath and subsequently diagnosed with heart failure. She was fluid overloaded and was given several doses of Lasix and started on a beta blocker. Her chest x-ray was actually improving from the Lasix and she seemed to be moving in the right direction until this happened. So we got her back to the bed. I gave her a 500 cc fluid bolus, even though they had just worked so hard to diurese fluid off of her. Even that only brought her up to a blood pressure of like 92 systolic. But we just held the evening dose of beta blocker and encourage her to drink water to help resolve the hypovolemia without having to give too much IV fluids. Despite a little overdiuresis, she actually did very well and was discharged home two days later. All right, so let's talk about orthostatic syncope. So orthostatic just means upright posture, and syncope is a temporary loss of consciousness. So orthostatic syncope is a loss of consciousness related to changing posture to the upright position, usually standing. There are two main categories of orthostatic syncope. The first is neurally mediated, which has to do with a failure of the autonomic system. It's normal for blood volume to shift with gravity when changing positions from laying to standing. You can have 500 to even 1,000 mLs of blood pool in your lower extremities. In someone with a healthy autonomic system, the bare receptors would sense the drop in blood pressure activate the sympathetic nervous system to increase heart rate, vasoconstrict, and increase cardiac contractility to counteract the shift. So heart rate will go up by about 10 to 20 beats, initially with position change. However, in patients with autonomic dysfunction, the body doesn't kick in to compensate, and the result is a more dramatic drop in blood pressure, which results in decreased blood flow to the brain and then loss of consciousness. Some of the diagnoses that might contribute to neurally-mediated orthostatic syncope are Parkinson's, Guillain-Barre syndrome, even diabetes and vitamin B12 deficiency can make one more prone to a neurally-mediated orthostatic syncope. The other orthostatic syncope is what this patient had going on. It's got a real creative name, (laughs) non-neurally-mediated orthostatic syncope. Under this category, there are two main branches, medication-induced, and volume loss. So medications like antihypertensives or vasodilators can drop the heart rate or blood pressure so much that they don't have time to recover and compensate from position change. Patients also have orthostatic syncope from decreased blood volume caused by blood loss, either internally or externally, or hypovolemia from vomiting, diarrhea, fever, or even diuresis. Going back to this patient, she had the perfect combo that could result in orthostatic syncope. She was started on a new cardiac medication that lowers blood pressure and heart rate, which would inhibit the body's natural sympathetic response to increase blood pressure and heart rate when standing to compensate for the gravitational pooling. Additionally, she was intravascularly volume depleted. They were diuretics to get fluid out of her lungs, but it's easy to overshoot on that. Where I see a lot of nurses get tripped up is they say, well, how could they be dry when their lungs still have crackles? Well, you can be volume overloaded in your interstitial spaces, as evidenced by pulmonary edema or peripheral edema, but intravascularly or inside the blood vessels, the patient is still volume depleted. There's no way to know for certain without some advanced hemodynamic monitoring or putting the ultrasound probe on the superior vena cava to determine if the patient is truly intravascularly dry or overloaded. But the symptoms sure pointed towards it. Another thing I get asked to do frequently at rapid response calls is orthostatic vital signs. So that's when you take the heart rate and the blood pressure while the patient's lying flat, like supine, and then sit them up in the bed, wait 60 seconds, and take the heart rate and blood pressure again, and then stand them, take the vital signs immediately upon standing, and then wait five minutes and do it again. So four sets of vital signs, lying, sitting, standing right away, and standing five minutes later. The idea is that if the heart rate goes up and the blood pressure goes down by 20 millimeters of mercury systolic, or 10 millimeters of mercury diastolic, that that's because your patient is dry. And while that may be the case, I see people just stop the workup here. They say, oh, their orthostatic vital signs are positive, so they just need a liter of fluids, done. (laughs) However, a lot of patients are dry in the hospital and they have another condition that needs to be investigated. We will talk in my next episode about structural heart abnormalities valvular problems, and arrhythmias being the source of someone's syncope. But how many cardiac patients with these problems could also be dehydrated or volume depleted from being NPO or overdiuresed or just poor intake while in the hospital? So I'm all for taking orthostatic vital signs to help guide fluid resuscitation. But here are a few things to keep in mind. First, when you stand the patient, you hold on to them Do not stand them up and go to the computer to document. You're doing orthostatic vital signs for a reason, so this patient is at risk for falling. You wanna be right there if it happens. Second, if you stand the patient and they start saying they're gonna pass out, or they're swaying, or getting diaphoretic, or any concerning symptom, you don't need to make them keep standing to complete the vital sign sequence. If they are symptomatic when standing, their orthostatic vital signs are positive. Please get them safely back in the bed before they collapse in your arms. And finally, just because someone has positive orthostatic vital signs does not mean that's the only problem they have going on that needs to be treated. Don't be distracted by the easy diagnosis with the easy solution. Your patient could have two good reasons for syncope going on simultaneously. So do your due diligence to rule out all the worst case scenarios, which we'll talk about next, next week. Um, so let's review. Orthostatic syncope can be from a neurologic source, specifically diagnoses that affect the autonomic functioning, or it can be from a non-neurally mediated syncope, stemming from volume depletion or medications. All types of orthostatic syncope share the common factor that the patient had a transient loss in consciousness upon standing. For whatever reason, the blood pressure dropped with a position change, and the body could not compensate due to autonomic dysfunction, or too many meds on board, or not enough volume intravascularly. This poor lady, in the case we discussed, she had two of the three causes happening simultaneously, and they probably potentiated each other a little bit. So she had been aggressively diuresed, understandably so, leaving her with less volume intravascularly. And she had been started on a new beta blocker, which controls heart rate and blood pressure, making it harder for the body to respond in a compensatory manner to the gravitational fluid shift that happens with normal position change. So we treated the volume depletion with a gentle 500 cc bolus, and we encouraged oral intake. Oh, and we also backed off on the beta blocker temporarily until her fluid status could normalize. She did get further diagnostics just to rule out other causes, but fortunately everything came back negative. So to summarize, the last three episodes, (laughs) when you find someone on the floor, they could have had a seizure, a vasovagal syncope, or orthostatic syncope, or worse. So getting a good history and gathering information from bystanders about what was happening right before the syncope is just as helpful as determining the cause from some sort of diagnostic test. Orthostatic vital signs can only confirm the presence of hypovolemia, but it does not rule out other causes. I look forward to diving into all of the cardiogenic reasons why patients might have syncope in my next episode. You definitely want to hear this one because it's really embarrassing, <laughs> the, that uh, the mistake that I made as a new nurse. So if you haven't subscribed or followed my podcast, go ahead and click that button now so when part 4 comes out, you won't miss it. Well... That's it for today's episode. If you like this podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email with questions or comments, and it would mean so much if you could take a moment to write a review on iTunes, as this helps more listeners find this podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you learned something that will save a life. Remember, nursing is a team sport. So trust your intuition and don't give up advocating until you're confident you've done what's right by your patient.
1: You've been listening to the Rapid Response RN podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of Sarah Lorenzini and hers alone. They are not intended as medical advice and should not take the place of your institution's policies or procedures. Evidence-based practice is ever-changing and your patient's care should reflect the current best practice. If you want to get in contact with Sarah, you can find her at RapidResponseRNPodcast at gmail.com or on the Rapid Response RN Podcast Facebook page, as well as the podcast website, RapidResponseRN.com.